to Stargirl Podcast. This is Lizzie, and I'm once again without Angie. But I promise Angie will be back next week, okay? I promise. This week, I'm here with Nate. Nate is from Naomi Podcast and the Lituation Room, which is the best name anyone has ever given me about anything ever. And just because that name is awesome, you got to go listen to it. Uh, so welcome, Nate. Oh, th thank you for having me, Lizzie. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad you gave me that intro because I was afraid for a little bit you were gonna be like, you you don't belong here. This isn't your podcast. You'll never be as good as Angie. I thought you were gonna you're gonna hit me with that <laughs> eclipse. So so. <laughs> no no no. I I run away from scary things, and we're not gonna do the eclipse thing. I've been. I've been actually surprised because, I mean, they've done a really good job. Maybe we can talk about the scary part. They've done a really good job. I'm actually a wimp, like 100% a wimp. I'm usually like, I don't watch scary movies. And this little Bruce kid is creeping me out. And then the vibes of the episode. Um, but even as someone who doesn't watch a lot of scary stuff, I think they've done a really good job setting the vibe. I agree. Like I'm, I'm with you. Like I'm not big into scary movies. Like I think, you know, if you're a kid that watches that stuff at a young age and watches a lot of it, you either like become somebody that loves horror movies or you go the exact opposite way. And I, I went the opposite way where I don't like them that much. But I think like the, these episodes, like this one in particular, did just a, a good enough job of kind of walking right up to that line, I think where it's, it's creepy and you're like, oh, this isn't good, what's going on here? But it's not like so scary that I think, you know, maybe if like a kid or a teenager was watching this, they, they wouldn't want to watch it anymore. That's a very astute observation you did. I guess I grew up watching the X-Files and maybe that's why I'm now mm -hmm. like, hey, no. This is very, <laughs> very smart. Um, I, 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 other than the scary vibe, which I think is very present, has been very present in, in the show. We now have uh, Eclipso as the big bad. He's been the big bad all along. Mm -hmm. They sort of pretended Cindy was sort of the big bad for like six episodes. It wasn't ever her. But now that we have Eclipso out there and then he, he messed with Beth and Rick both in this episode, I think it's important like before we go into the Rick and Beth to see if we can discuss the question of what does Eclipso want? Like, what is he waiting for? Because Courtney asked Pat at one point in the episode, what is Eclipso waiting for? And we're here, like, Courtney being like, we have no idea. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know. Like, I think that my, like, my best guess, my best guess trying to figure out what this ancient evil supervillain is going to do is, uh, like, I think he's trying to tear up our, our JSA because as long as they're out there maybe he can't get done what he needs to do so he's got he's got to get them off the board first so then he can just be as evil as he wants to be with no interruption <laughs> that that that's probably and because he has done a really good job with the dsa in this episode actually probably for most people um ends up being the opposite of what we expected like rick is always the dude with bravado like, mm -hmm. if you would have thought someone could have, I mean, Rick has a lot of issues, but he's always presenting his best face forward. And and we all know he's a good guy deep down. So maybe before this episode, I saw some people on Twitter being like, Rick's not going to get Eclipso, uh, let Eclipso get to him. And then mm -hmm. everyone was sure Bed was just going to, like, fall. And then mm -hmm. we got the complete opposite of this episode. Bed actually stood up and said, you know what? 
I belong here. Um, and Rick completely crumbled, which actually makes sense considering mm -hmm. Rick's background. And I got a confession. Like, I'm, I'm Aaron Burr from uh, Hamilton, Lizzie. Like, confession time. Here's what I got. Uh, like, I I read the description. You know, I was really excited to be able to, you know, uh, fill in uh, this week and, and talk to you about the episode. But when I read the description and I saw, like, it was going to be super Rick heavy, I was like, I don't know if I'm going to enjoy this. Because I, I like Rick. Like, I like all of the kids. But I think I might like Rick the least. And so I didn't know if I was going to enjoy the episode. But they did a really good job, like you said, of kind of twisting what we thought going in where, you know, you think Rick would be the one to beat Eclipso and Beth would be the one that would, you know, be scared and overwhelmed. And, and they they flipped it on us. And I, I really enjoyed how they kind of subverted our expectations. They, I agree. They, they did a really good job with that. And maybe let's just focus on Rick for a moment because Rick is... I mean, Rick's uncle was back. Uh, mm. No one really wanted to see him. Nobody. Again. <laughs> and also, nobody like I know we're supposed to feel bad about what happens at the end of the episode when Rick ends up beating him up. But I was sort of like, uh, I hope he didn't kill him just because murder is bad. Yeah. But other than that, eh. yeah, like the, the only actually, actually, and this is bad to say, Lizzie. Like the only reason I'm glad that Rick didn't like completely get rid of him is because I think that would have been bad for Rick if he had, you know, killed his uncle. But yeah, his uncle deserved that, man. Like for all the abuse he's put on this kid. And, you know, we saw in the episode where he threw away his college papers. It's like, yeah, like he deserves something. <laughs> I I also kind of feel like maybe the, the scene at the beginning with the t-shirt was sort of set up for whatever's going to happen with Rick, because in the end, Rick did beat up his uncle, but it, maybe we're going to, uh, bring up a storyline where they bring up the abuse that Rick has been receiving. Mm -hmm. uh, because I don't know what else you bring up the t-shirt for other than to get the line, like, you'll end up in jail before you end up in college, which actually happens at the end mm -hmm. of the episode, which I didn't expect. That was cruel because it happened right away. And I was so mad when that line was uttered at the beginning. That's a really great point that I didn't even think of. But yeah, like she could be his alibi to get him out. He's like, yeah, like this is a kid. This was self-defense. You know, he was protecting himself against this abusive figure. So that's that's really good. Like, I hope I hope that teacher comes back to help out because I I felt bad when the uncle just was like so rude to this lady that's just trying to, you know, help Rick out. Yeah. And then Rick had his moment in the. In the in the woods with before he meets Grundy, where he's screaming that he's tired of giving everything and getting nothing back. Mm -hmm. And for Rick, that's obviously how he feels. He has friends now, uh, but he feels like he's getting nothing because he's got a really bad family life. And really, all of the kids in this show do, except Courtney. We uh, Angie and I have discussed a mm -hmm. lot of times how Pat and Barbara are the only good parents in Blue Valley. That's why mm -hmm. all the kids. That's uh, Rick ends up calling Pat when he needs help because apparently Pat's the only parental figure that they yep. trust. <laughs> like I, th I think the only good parents on this entire show are uh, Courtney's parents and uh, the parents, uh, Sportsmaster and uh, right. like in, in their Sportsmaster own way, like Tigress. yeah, in their own weird way, they're good parents. <laughs> right. Um, and I, I think it's really interesting that uh, Rick and Beth were not together at any point in this episode. But I think mm -hmm. the show has been sort of setting them up as parallels to each other. And then there's a lot of 
stuff coming from Rick in this episode that feels like they might be setting up the romance. Maybe not right away, but Rick has a moment in the woods where he's like, "Love makes you better" and all of that. And I was like, "Rick, you're getting very deep here." Um, and then the whole thing with Grundy, who wasn't Grundy then, made me even feel a little bad for Solomon Grundy. Like mm-hmm. I, I was like, "Who am I?" It was like I felt bad for Grundy at the end. Yeah, they've done a really good job of making this monster this sympathetic figure. You know, I think like even like the moments where he's in the woods, like you're talking about, and and you know, Grundy gives him the apple. Like, like I I guess you have to accept it because this 12 foot monster gave you an apple and you you don't want to be rude. But like I thought that was a really humanizing, for lack of a better term, humanizing moment for Grundy. And so that's why like when we see Rick yell at Grundy later and it turns out not to be Grundy. I I kind of did like you. I kind of felt a little bit bad. I was like, you, you didn't have to go that hard, Rick. That was a little uncalled for. Right. And, and the whole thing with the girl, which for a moment I did think mm. there was a real girl. Obviously, when I saw the face of the little girl, because we've seen it before, like, mm-hmm. and then the little girl disappeared and then Courtney at least is getting better and being like, oh, Eclipso, instead of what is going on here? So go Courtney. Um, but I can't really blame Rick for his reaction because he felt like he had something under control and that was Grundy and whatever mm-hmm. was going on there. And then he thought he'd made another mistake and he'd gotten someone killed. Like Rick was blaming himself. I think they did a really good job with that because I, I was with Rick. Like I actually thought Grundy, like I didn't, I didn't think that the girl, little girl was going to be dead because like you're not going to do that at eight o'clock on the CW. Like, it's not what we're doing, but I thought like she was going to wake up, but it would have been too late. But then it turns out it was a clip. So the whole time. And it's like, yeah, like he knew exactly what buttons to push to get Rick to react that way. Cause he was already feeling vulnerable and feeling hurt because of what happened with his uncle. And so, yeah, like it, it was, it was a good scene, Lizzie, but it was kind of hard to watch. Cause you're like, you feel so bad for Rick in, in that moment. It It is really, really, I, I got to give kudos to the actor. Like, I, I feel like Rick was a character, Angie and I spoke at, uh, when season one started, that felt like we would never, he was a ball of rage the entire season mm-hmm. one. And it felt like it was going to really be hard to connect to Rick. And they've really taken him on a journey where uh, you appreciate Rick. He might not be your favorite, but like, uh, I think they've gotten to a point where you can appreciate all of these kids for who they are. Mm, yeah. Rick in season one kind of felt like, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Mystery Man. Yeah. Rick felt like Ben Stiller in, in Mystery Man where he's, I'm furious. That's my superpower. And like Rick is always trying to fight, you know, punch first, figure things out second. But I think they've done a really good job of making the character grow to the point where you're actually like you, you, and I think some of that has to do with uh, his relationship with Beth that we've seen this season where they're getting closer and, and, you know, it's allowing him to be more open and honest with people. And yeah, like I really, really felt bad for Rick in this episode, which if you had asked me a year ago, would I feel this way about this character? I probably would have said no. Yeah, that's good writing. And then they did amazing with Beth. This was probably mm. my favorite Beth episode in the entire show. And I really like Beth already. Like, they didn't have to mm-hmm. convince me. But this was my favorite Beth episode. And then that she found the strength. And I think uh, in an episode where Rick loses his strength completely, I think it, it, it bears pointing out that her relationship with Rick has probably helped Beth sort mm. of find hers. 
um, because she found her strength. She's she, she's always the smartest one, but she figured out it was Eclipso very quickly. Um, when Yolanda did in last episode, she confronted Eclipso and then she said, you are not going to make me fall for what you're selling. Like, I mm -hmm. know who I am. And I was like, at 16, would we have been able to do that? <laughs> Look, look, at 16, I wouldn't even go out in the house. As soon as I saw that little creepy boy sitting on the steps, I'd be like, that's all right. I'm, I'm going to come back for them goggles another day. <laughs> I'm going to wait till Courtney and them get back. Uh, but but I, I love I love uh, Beth so much. Like I, And uh, like kudos to the actress uh, that plays her because she reminds me of like my oldest niece. Like that she's very smart and she's in her, she's kind of in her head a lot because she is so smart and she's always thinking and, you know, but like she's a teenager. And so it's like as adult and grown up as you think you are, you know, you're still a kid and there's still kind of those doubts and fears and things that creep into your head. And so I love what they did with Beth, where she was not afraid. You know, she, she like, I was saying, don't go up the stairs, Beth, Beth, don't go up the stairs, Beth. And, and Beth went up the stairs and confronted uh, Eclipso and, you know, Eclipso's casual racism that he just threw out there for no reason. Uh, I, I loved it. You know, at that last scene when, when Eclipso finally kind of like revealed himself, she was like, you know, you want me to be afraid and I'm not going to be afraid, uh, you know, because I know who I am. And I was like, that was a very, a very powerful moment for that character, I think. Right. And then she says, I choose myself. And like, mm -hmm. no one needed to choose me to be yep. Dr. Midnight. I chose myself. And I, I thought that was so powerful, like, especially because it's a teenage, this show is aimed at teenagers. Mm -hmm. Like for us more, we're more adult, it's still powerful. But like, I can't even imagine being a teenager, the age group this show is aimed at mm -hmm. and seeing that and being like, oh, wow, I can do yep. that. Especially like a little black girl, a little brown girl watching that, like that is so important you know we talk all the time um on the lituation room and used to be the black lightning podcast but we talk all the time about how seeing yourself in your media can be very important especially for kids and i can imagine that uh you know some little girl was watching this and it's like yeah i am important and you know i i matter and it's not because of what anybody else says it's because i know in myself you know how how uh you know i belong uh and so like i thought she did a great job in this episode. Like, and, and you're right. This episode really was just about kind of Rick and Beth and their parallel stories. And then we got like a little teeny bit of Courtney sprinkled in, but it was mainly about Rick and Beth. Right. Uh, and yeah, I, there, there was a little, a very good scene with Mike and Barbara, which I want to talk about at the end. But I, I want to stay on Beth because you mentioned the casual racism. And mm. I think um, we talked about this a little bit before we started recording, but I think I, Andy and I had mentioned how there are some things the show has done well and some things the show really hasn't. Like, for example, last episode, which was with Yolanda, as a Latina, I feel like they've sort of, they dealt with it, then they let it pass for too long, and then they try to mm -hmm. deal with it again. And it doesn't really work like that because it's a continuous thing. But the 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 race issue with Beth, they hadn't even touched, and they needed to have touched on it way before they did, I feel. Yeah, and it is... I think it's just because we are the age that we are like, and immediately I, in season one, I picked up on it. I'm like, okay, so the chapels are like probably the only black family in this, in this whole city, in this whole town. And, and the mom's a doctor. Uh, and, and so she's got a prominent position in the town and like, what's people's relationship with, with Beth that she feels like an outcast. 
And so I was waiting for them to kind of address this. And it it made sense to do it in the form of a clip. So, you know, being the villain to bring this stuff up and, you know, even like creating a vision of the JSA and like, you know, you're you're black and you're a woman. So those are two things that don't go here. Uh, and, and for Beth to have to kind of confront that and hear that out loud, you know, and she, she's probably thought about it in her head, Lizzie, like, you know, I don't really fit in some of these spaces, but to hear it out loud and then to turn around, like you said, and say, no, I belong because I say I belong. I think that was a really good moment for Beth. And not only that, it sets up uh, what's co what's coming forward is uh, Rick broke the hourglass. So presumably he mm -hmm. doesn't have his strength mm -hmm. back. Um, presumably, like I feel like this is going to a place where knowing Rick as the son of his father and what he figured out in season one, he can probably fix it or do something else to mm -hmm. get his powers back. I think that's where we're going with Rick. Yolanda has to choose herself and she has to uh, realize that she's... Ted Grant, the, the ideal she's trying to live up to, it's not like Ted Grant was like a saint. Yeah. Um, but it, ironically, it's going to come up to Courtney and Beth to sort mm -hmm. of bring the team back together. And I think if you told me that, because also Courtney and Beth is one relationship that hasn't really been explored. Yes. Beth has had her time with Rick and Courtney and Yolanda are BFFs, but we haven't really had as much time with Courtney and Beth. Mm -hmm. I feel like for Courtney, Beth is probably like one step above Mikey. <laughs> like, <laughs> like she's like her annoying little sister that has to come along. But like, I, we don't really have that relationship between Courtney and Beth yet. And I think that's going to be really interesting. Uh, in terms of like Beth, you know, kind of stepping into her role. I love that when she put the goggles on at the end, it updated it. And it's like, you know, right. new Dr. Midnight is Beth Chapel. I was like, that's a really good moment for this character. And I, I do think coming out of this episode, it's her, Courtney, and Pat. Like, that's kind of the core of the team now while they try to kind of pull everybody back together. Right. I I admit, I'm a, I'm a crier. I'm, like, mm. a very, very easy to tears. But I never expected the moment to bring me to tears in this episode was when I saw JSA database updated. I was mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm going to cry. I'm sorry. Stop. Pause. Yeah, the and, the, and the little picture, like with her hands on her hips in the, in the, in the uniform. Yes. <laughs> she was so cute. And although I do think she needs a new costume. Yes. Like everyone has gotten a new costume, but Beth. <laughs> Like she can't be on and and in the same one. Like for season three, we're getting a mm -hmm. season three. Please let's get Beth a new costume. Like please let let's just write that down. But yeah, I was really really proud of her. And and the next episode is a crossover of sorts. Uh, whatever we're getting, Jay Garrick, mm -hmm. and I don't even know how. Like I I had this idea that by the end of eight, I would know how mm -hmm. we would get Jay Garrick, and I have no idea there's so many different ways they could do this. Like, I I like, I like don't know if it's going to be tied into Crisis somehow, because it feels like a lot of these shows have just kind of forgotten Crisis. They're like, yeah, it happened, but we're going to move on because of COVID and everything. Like, let's keep it moving. Uh, but I'm really excited, man, because John Wesley's ship, I think he adds something to everything he's in, you know, whether it's the Flash or the crossover or whatever. Like, there's a certain kind of gravitas maybe like that he brings when he's on screen at presence and i can't wait to see him interact with the kids like i think him talking with courtney and beth and them like i think that's going to be really really good 
I can't wait to see him in drag with Pat too. Like Pat mm, yep. hasn't had someone to talk to, like another adult <laughs> other than Barbara, but like another adult that sort of understands the superhero game. Mm-hmm. And like Pat just needs a friend. Yes, and that, I honestly, now that you mention it, that that's a great idea, Lizzie, because I think something Pat probably needs that we haven't really delved into as much is. Pat probably needs some reassurance that he's doing the right thing with these kids. And I think somebody like Jay could give him that. Right. You you are absolutely right. Like Pat's been like, not really just Courtney and Barbara and his family. He's been like shouldering the burden of Mm -hmm. all of these kids. Uh, And we did talk about this before we started recording. Beth's parents had a good moment this episode. Like they almost remembered they were parents and they, she existed and they, they had a good conversation. I don't think that makes them good parents in general, mm. uh, but they had a good moment. I will give them that. Yeah, and it, it helped because honestly, I was ready to write them off in the earlier scene with Eclipso because it took me a second to realize, oh, that's Eclipso. when they were just like, yeah, this is your fault, Beth. I was like, hey, Excuse me. Uh, right. This is this has nothing to do with Beth, and so like I think for her to go through that because that was you could obviously tell how traumatic that was hearing who she thought was her parents say all that stuff, and then for her parents to come in at the end of the episode and her mom telling her how difficult it was to kind of finally win the town over, and her dad just being real supportive, and it's like I I think. I, and I hope, I, I hope, I'll say that, Lizzie. I hope that we get more on the parents because I do think at one point they were good parents for Beth, but something changed. And I hope that they, they find a way to kind of get back to that because Beth Beth needs that. Beth, Beth deserves good parents. She does. And, and I also feel like if the parents, uh, if Beth's parents and sort of uh, Pat and Barbara, sort of like Pat and Barbara, again, like need some support. Mm-hmm. Like I, I keep thinking of Blue Valley and like Blue Valley is not that big. I still don't know how Yolanda snuck out of the house every night and her mom, a Latina mom. Like, again, I think my mom, <laughs> like I am convinced my mom has some sort of uh, electric, like she, she shipped me or something because <laughs> I would move out of my room. And she would know. And then Jolanda's mom didn't notice that she was mm-hmm. going out every night to patrol with uh, Courtney and Rick and Beth. That makes no sense to me. Mm-hmm. But also, these kids are just doing superhero things in the middle of the square and no one's noticing. <laughs> I, I almost I almost believe that everyone knows. And they all collectively decided to look the other way. Yeah. Or it's like uh, there was an old episode of the Justice League cartoon. Back in the day where, like, uh, the Green Lantern and Wonder Woman and Hawkwoman and Flash got sent into this alternate reality where, like, it was, like, the 50s. And this little weird kid, kind of like the little weird kid that Eclipso was playing in this episode, like, controlled everybody. And the townspeople knew they were being controlled, but they couldn't do anything about it. So, like, maybe everybody in Blue Valley knows that they live in this weird place, but they can't say it because they don't want anybody to know that they know. I mean, just it's it's almost as absurd as the the whole idea of Superman and the glasses. His weird, and I I know superhero shows require sub- suspension of disbelief. The problem is when they require a suspension of disbelief for some things, and then for others they're like, yeah, this is common sense, and you're like, but we left common sense a while back. <laughs> I wonder though, like I wonder if I wonder if we do end up getting that moment next season though, Lizzie, like will will the town know that the JSA exists at some point? Because that kind of changes the dynamic of a lot of things. Right. 
No, I mean, the the old JSA didn't exactly exist in the shadows. Um, and mm -hmm. stripe stripesy wasn't exactly a costume that made it so no one knew who that was. So I mean, I, I, I do think it's possible for them to exist in, in the town, even if everyone knows. Um, that would be an interesting uh, storyline for season three, especially because this season has left a couple of things hanging that I think have to come back in season three. Mm -hmm. Like Cindy is not dead. Yeah. And I, I, lo I love Cindy so much. Like this show has really good villains. Right. Like villains that you want to lose, but you also enjoy spending time with them on the screen. And I think Cindy is so great as kind of this alpha high school chick that is just all she's done is taken her regular personality and put powers behind it. And now she's trying to make life miserable for Courtney and her friends. I think Cindy's great. Like the shade is just like, I like the shade a lot, and I want to see him come back. So there's a lot of really, really good characters in this show. Now that we're talking both Cindy and the shade, let's discuss, because uh, Dr. McKnighter is supposed to be in the Shadowlands. Andy mm -hmm, and I mm -hmm. sort of went into the comic history of the Shadowlands. But presumably, if Dr. McKnight is in the Shadowlands and Cindy was trapped by the Black Diamond, she mm. could be in the Shadowlands, too. Uh, and the shade, his powers are born of the Shadowlands. Could they all be like could we having a party in the Shadowlands? And the, <laughs> and the three of them just meet up and like, okay, let's team up to get out of here. Yeah, that that would be interesting. Like, yeah, they just this this secret band of he of I was gonna say heroes, but this secret band of powered individuals in the Shadowlands, and and maybe maybe that's the cliffhanger we get at the end of the season that they show back up and. And they're with Cindy, and now uh, how do how do we figure this out, everybody? Because we don't like Cindy, but she helped bring Doctor Midnighter back. So I guess I guess we're cool. <laughs> yeah, th that's right. And then we have five episodes, and we haven't even brought up Starman again. Like, what mm. is he doing? He's mm -hmm. been traveling all this time. Where was he? Because he wasn't that far away. Like, what is going on? Is he really Starman? Is, again, is this a crisis thing? Is the, he mm -hmm. the, is, he might be the one showing up next episode and, and starting the whole thing. He might be uh, a Starman from another Earth. I, we don't know. This, I think that's maybe one of the strengths of this show. Like, is that everybody is... All of the characters are so well written, but they're also well cast. And you've got the right actors in the right roles. And I think, like, I want more of Starman. Like, I want, like, I think we need, we need, like, a whole, like, they're not going to give us a whole episode devoted to him and Pat because we got to get the kids in there. But I want as much Starman and Pat as possible because I do think, you know, kind of like what we were talking about with Jay, I do think Pat needs, like, Pat is a good dad and Pat is a good team leader for these kids but I don't think Pat knows that I think Pat has a lot of doubt with the choices that he's making right now and like we haven't even talked about Mikey but I think Pat like wants the best for these kids but he needs somebody to give him a pep talk and it's got to be like one of the original members right but like that that would if this is Starman from another earth that works but if this is somehow the Starman from this earth then what Pat's gonna be is angry where mm -hmm. were you for the past how many mm -hmm. years, dude? Did you just mm -hmm. leave me to shoulder all the burdens and mm -hmm. just, what, disappear? Go hide? So those are two interesting, because I don't think, even if this is not the Starman for, from this Earth, mm -hmm. I don't think at first glance, uh, 
Paz probably gonna think, oh, something from another Earth. He's gonna be like, right. oh, you're alive and you mm -hmm. left? Me, your best friend? Mm. So I anticipate anger there. That's that's a great point. That's a great point that I wasn't thinking about. But yeah, like this, I'd imagine like there's a lot of things that would just like there's anger. There's that, you know, like my like not only were you like my friend, but you were somebody who was almost like a surrogate father to to Pat. And so it's like there's a lot of emotions there. And 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 I, I like we know like uh, Luke Wilson can bring all the emotions. So I, I want to see all the emotions, Lizzie, is what I'm saying. <laughs> I, I, I want to see all the emotions too. And then <laughs> this episode gave us um, not just a lot of Rick and Beth. They gave us a scene, and I wish we got more, but we got a really mm -hmm. good scene with Mike and Barbara at the end mm -hmm. um, that I think the show had been needing because they've done such a good job with Corny and Pat, and, and they sort of had to because that was the main dynamic of the show. Mm -hmm. But now that you bring Barbara and Mike into the superhero aspect, um, and then they have this scene with Mike calling Barbara mom, and, and it was kind of yeah. beautiful. I think Mike... Like Mike might be the hardest character to write on the show because he has to be at the same time. He's got to be like the kind of precocious little brother, but we also have to like him. So he can't be too much of a little brother. And I think they've done a good job kind of walking that line. And I really do like his relationship with Barbara. I think we got bits and pieces of that in season one, but it really does feel like, you know, kind of us non-powered people got to stick together. In, in this situation, and I love that they're bonding. I'm I'm always worried for Mike, though. Like, I'm always worried something's going to happen or Eclipso's going to get him or, like, I I worry for, for Mike more than I more than I probably should for some fictional child. But I every time he's on the screen, somebody please protect this precious little boy. <laughs> I mean, I, I do feel he's probably not that high up in the list of people Eclipso wants to hurt now. But at some <laughs> point, if he, he, he keeps hurting everyone, he's going to get to Mike. Yep. Um, and especially if the only thing that can sort of hurt him or stop him is uh, the Cosmic Staff, which now has a name. Well, I mean, yes. we've had a name, but has a name on the show, Cosmo. And I was so happy to hear Courtney utter the name. I was like, yeah, Cosmo. That was a cute little scene, too, where Pat's like, you named the staff? <laughs> it's like, you named the robot. No, you did. And it was Courtney, <laughs> really. Yeah. So, um, and that was a cute moment for, for Pat and Courtney, too. I think the, the family dynamic with the show have, has always done really well, yes. have been taken up a notch in season two. And, and now they're doing really good with the kids' dynamics. And they, they sort of needed to sort of hone in and on some dynamics. Andy and I had specifically talked about Courtney and Beth. And I think that's what's coming. Mm -hmm. And even like, uh, you know, talking about pat like i think the moment right after rick sees that he, it was actually his uncle that he beat up and not grundy and pat has to like just not only does pat have to kind of take care of rick but he's also got to take care of courtney he's got to check on the uncle like pat's doing a lot here and i'm hoping that we're not setting up a situation where it's too much for pat because right. i think Pat, much like Mikey, like, I think everybody on this show, like, I want to protect Courtney, I want to protect Beth, I want to protect Yolanda, I want to protect Pat, but everybody's not going to be protected, because that's not how TV works, Lizzie. Somebody's going to get put in danger. I know, I know, and that that's the scary part, especially as the show, like, again, next episode, Jay Garrick, but the episode ended with the the window icing over. 
Yes. And then there are a lot of things we don't know. Is it Icicle? Is it mm -hmm. Icicle Jr.? If it's Icicle Jr., why? When he and Courtney were like mm -hmm. having flirty time like not that long ago. If it's Icicle, how? Like there are so many questions. <laughs> so many questions, but I, I think the good thing about Stargirl is that you have faith in them to tell the story. Unlike like there's other shows like over the past couple of years or, you know, whatever, where if they introduce something, I don't trust them to pay that off. But I think with Stargirl, like they did such a good job with season one that you're like, OK, like I don't know who that is uh, outside the window, but I trust the show to be, be able to pay it off. And, you know, it's kind of like with with Jay Garrick or with Starman. Like, I don't know what the answers to those questions are going to be, but I trust this show to be able to pay those answers off. Okay, last question, and because I just thought of this, um, we saw the eyes. We're assuming it's either Icicle or Icicle Junior. Could it be Eclipso? Because could that be Bar Barbara's feet? Mm. See, that was my first choice. Like that was the, my first thought, uh, Lizzie. I like you went Icicle, Icicle Junior, which I didn't think of, but those are great ideas. My first thought was Eclipso. Eclipso just loves messing with people. Like he's. He's going to find whatever your fear is and play on it. Uh, so that, that was my thought, that this was Eclipso trying to get back in the house. Uh, I, that's, that's just, it's just, so, I think that's what makes Eclipso such a good villain, is that his power works on everybody. Because everybody's got stuff that they're unsure about or afraid of, and so he knows how to use that. The question is, will you kind of give in to that like Rick did this week, or will you be able to be strong enough to stand up to it like Beth? And I don't know, like with Barbara and Mikey and then, you know, eventually, you know, that he's going to run up on Courtney and Pat. Like, so I'm, I'm worried, but I have faith in, in, in our heroes. Like, I think they're going to be able to come out on top, but this is a very different thread, I think, than last season. You know, I think last season was a little, little bit more, I want to say lighthearted, even though it did get pretty... <laughs> did get pretty serious in moments, but I think last season was a bit more lighthearted with the villains, whereas Eclipso is legitimately scary. Right. Yeah, and they've sort of done that with the sort of the 80s vibes and the colors and the scary mm -hmm. vibes. That That's what they've been going for. Uh, but yeah, I think for now, because we don't know, that's, that's probably my favorite theory because uh, they did bring back Brainwave and it wasn't Brainwave. Or like, mm. it wasn't really Brainwave being back. So it would make sense that if they somehow bring back Icicle or mm -hmm. the actor playing Icicle, it might not really be Icicle. Um, how that ties into Jay Garrick, I don't know, but we will find out next week. Um, yeah, well, this is a show that, like, just I just want to say real quick, Lizzie, like, this is a show that is based on kind of the idea, like, the idea at its core is about legacies and one generation to the next. So, like, that's a good point. Like, you don't know. Like, is this our Icicle? Is this our Icicle Jr.? Or is this somebody new? You know, is this our Jay Garrick? Or is this somebody new? Is this our Starman? Or is this somebody new? And... Those are all questions that we're going to have to figure out before the end of the season. But like I said, like I've, I've got faith in these writers. I've got faith in the creative team that they'll be able to bring this, bring this all home for us. I have faith, too, and I don't say that lightly. So <laughs> uh, I'm excited for, for where this is going. I, I don't always have faith in shows like you. And the Arrowverse mm. in general has disappointed <laughs> me a lot. But Stargirl mm. is, I think, one of the better written shows. And it really feels like they have a great idea of where they're going. Yeah, we're, we're in such an interesting time right now for 
you know, DC TV, particularly on the CW, where, you know, Black Lightning is finished. Supergirl is about to finish. Arrow ended a couple years ago, you know, like, so now we've got Flash, we've got Legends, we've got Superman and Lois, which has been surprisingly good as right. of late. Uh, Stargirl, which I think is an excellent show, maybe the best of the bunch. And, uh, you know, then we got Naomi coming out, like, next year, which I'm hoping Naomi kind of takes a page out of Stargirl, because I think they've done a really good job of kind of telling a story that you would think on its surface is just aimed at teenagers, but everybody can kind of relate to it. Uh, I agree. And maybe we will get a crossover yes. to discuss, like, Bad Chapel and Naomi. Oh, my goodness. Having, having a talk. I would love that. Yes. Hopefully. Fingers crossed. Uh, thank you so much for being here, Nate. It was a pleasure. Uh, thank you so much for having me. Uh, I love you guys. You do good work on all of your shows on the network. Uh, and, and it, you know, this was great just to be able to talk about Stargirl and at length because, you know, we've talked about it on our show a couple times, but, you know, just kind of in passing about like, oh, like Vanessa will be like, oh, Stargirl, I love it. And Clement's like, yeah, that's that's the best show. And, you know, and I tell, <laughs> tell people how much I like it. But, to, you know, kind of be able to sit down with you and, and talk about an episode at length was was really cool. And yes, if I'm I'm not even gonna say if I'm gonna say when, Lizzie, when we get our Naomi Stargirl crossover, we are going to definitely have to do more shows together with 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 Angie and and the rest of the the uh, Naomi team as well. Right, with Angie, hopefully, when the baby or has grown up a little bit and has decided that he can let Angie live. Uh, so yes. <laughs> so, Why are babies so selfish? <laughs> babies are like, mom, 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 I need you. Uh, but we love you, Angie, and we love your yes. baby too. Uh, you can visit StargirlPodcast.com for all the latest news about the Stargirl show. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Stargirl Podcast as well. You can subscribe to Stargirl Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play. And while you're on Apple Podcasts, hit us up with some five-star reviews. Don't forget that we're part of the DC TV Podcast Network with podcasts for all the DC shows, like Naomi Podcast. So at DCTVPodcast.com. Follow the network on social media at DCTV Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Last but not least, subscribe to our mega feed on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play. And if you have any questions or thoughts about Stargirl, email us at stargirlpodcast at gmail.com. See you next time.